Welcome to another episode of Exploring Art Podcast, a Florida International University student podcast for the creative curious. I'm your host, Wahard, and I'm very pleased to have Roberto Tavares today with me. And welcome to Exploring Art Podcast. Today, we're going to be looking at the case study, A Ladylike Hand. Art historians sometimes discover or decide that a work thought to be by one artist should be attributed to another. In 1893, the Louvre purchased a painting praised as one of Franz Howe's finest. However, a signature was discovered that of the painter Judith Leister. Critical treatment of the painting rapidly changed, and it was soon considered far inferior to the work of Howe's. According to one critic, the painting exhibited the weakness of a feminine hand. This critic insisted that it was an unsuccessful attempt to copy Howe's style for the vigorous brushstrokes of the master were beyond the woman's capability. The Leicester case is not an isolated one. In 1922, the Metropolitan Museum of Art spent 200,000 on a painting that was believed to be by Jacques Louis David. However, around 1951, it was decided that the work was very probably attributable to Constance Charpentier, a student of David who exhibited in the salons and won prizes in the late 18th and early 19th centuries. After the painting, portrait of Mademoiselle Charlotte Duval de Degonis was attributed to Charpentier instead of David, a, quit, a critic wrote, it's poetry, literary, then rather pla- rather than plastic it's very evident charms and it's clear and it's cleverly concealed weaknesses all seem to the feminine spirit so looking at this case study um how do you think we can account for the fact that a painting was not seen as expressing lack of vigor and another painting was not revealing the feminine spirit until they found out that a woman was the painter. Well, I, I think first we should start off um, by discussing you know, the differences between an art historian and an art critic, right? Because the art historian is the one that uncovered that signature. If art historians gather information outside the scope of just the art piece itself, you know, they look to a variety <laughs> of external factors during that period. Um, in which the piece was created, you know, they look at cultural and economic effects that, that surround that artist. You know, their job revolves yeah. around documenting evidence to support those claims, not just mm-hmm. opinion. Versus, you know, when you take an art critic, um, you know, th- their whole purpose is to evaluate and it's to assign an artistic value based on, you know, similar works. And while critiquing heavily through personal interpretation, which, you mm-hmm. know, it, it's subjective by nature. Um, you know, yeah. there, there's a variety of methodologies used and, you know, they, they look for patterns, but it's still based on how the individual interprets the meaning and the intent behind each, you know, each work. All right. And, and I think that there's little denying that, you know, society in the late 1800s, um, they, they viewed women as being in, inferior, right? It's like, you know, yeah, you know, I mean, if you, if you look at it, like, women's rights weren't a thing until like the 1920s. And when they found the paintings, like in the Louvre, when they purchased it, it was 1893. 
And then when the Metropolitan spent that, it was like right after women's got rights. So you have to take into account like the time period. Right. So then critics during that time, it's like, you know, taking all that, that, that cultural belief, right? It's like, it was, it was very mm-hmm. common knowledge for that to be just the opinion of a man. And it's yeah. like, how could that not influence, you know, a critic's opinion? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you're comparing it to a more established and, you know, well-known uh, artist. Artists. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, and, and then later on, it's like in the 1950s, it's like it started getting, you know, there were more women artists in the art scene. You know, they, they were more mm-hmm. prominent. They were starting to make a name for themselves, but there was still that, that negative connotation towards, you know, like their ability, right? And it was always like some sort of pessimism towards them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I do think that it, it is definitely, um, a big factor in how those critiques were seen uh, just based on the time period. Yeah. And also like back then in that time period, um, when you look at it, mostly back then women would paint like general scenes or like landscapes and like portraits. And like that could also attribute to the fact that like when you, when you like get sort of the idea that women would paint these portraits or landscapes and then, they would attribute men painting these sophisticated and like vigorous like paintings. And then when they find out it's a woman that painted it, it's like, I don't know. It like comes into the fact that they like, they don't want to like, they start finding mistakes within those paintings. If that makes sense. Yeah. Cause at the, at the time it was just like, it was the men's role to create, right? The woman, yeah. it, it, it started becoming like a woman's task. Like they were seen as, you know, doing the arts more than doing other laborious jobs, but mm-hmm. it was, it was still like a man's world when it came to what, you know, who was the great artist, like who was the, the one of value in the art scene. Mm-hmm. It, it's yeah. even, it even comes down to like, you know, the student and the master, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, it, and if you look at Judith, uh, you know, there, there's talks about her having previous contact and actually studying under Hal, right? And yeah. it, it, it's not even just Hal, it's also um, a lot of her art was contributed um, or seen as done by her husband, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, if you look at that, that can also be a fact of the economic state at the time. If her artwork was not going to sell as well because it was her artwork, then you know, maybe then that's why they had it under her husband's name. Or, you know, mm-hmm. the other option is maybe the husband just took it because at the time women were also seen as property in a way. I mean, if you also look at it, how you were saying that like Judith Leister could have been or was maybe a student of Hal's. If you look back at it, Judith Leister joined the Guild of St. Luke back mm-hmm. in sixteen in 1633. And then in 1644, House became the director of the Guild of St. Luke. You could kind of like tie that in together that maybe he taught her some things and she like went under his wing and learned stuff from him. Yeah. And then even at the time, though, there was also like a big legal lawsuit uh, when she went on her own, uh, mm. created her own studio. And then she ended up taking a couple of um, Hal's students who mm-hmm. I, I guess just didn't pay his tuition to work under him and then you know that 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 left a bad taste and there was some bad blood between them the thing is though if like you think the the art historian they found the signature by 
removing the counterfeit signature of how that was overlaid, right? So, oh, wow. so you know, it, it it's a little hard to think that you know how was the actual um, artist behind that, or that this was just a carbon copy and she was trying to pass it off as a how, right? It's like this forged signature yeah. was removed. Like, why would you? Um, like, she wasn't making money selling that art piece in that way at the time. It, mm-hmm. was, it wasn't even selling for that much, right? Because at the time, mm-hmm. there was also, um, like, Hal was recognized, but his art was not, like, he, he was having financial issues. Even yeah, like towards, like, his later, his later point in his life, he was struggling to, like, maintain his family and stuff. Yeah, and then after his death, like, his art was actually worthless for uh, a very long time. Yeah. Right? We, it yeah. only recently came back into... Um, art world where it's seen as some new amazing artwork from the past right Mm -hmm. i mean also you could look at back going back to the the student and like the master thing Mm -hmm. like david david like jacques lewis david like his student was constance charpentier so she studied under him so you could also see like how she could take like basically like some of his like skill set and style and then put it into a drawing of her own and people may think oh this is a Jacquees Lewis David back at the time because you know they would want men to be attributed to paintings instead of women yeah yeah definitely I mean like the artist is gonna you know they they learn from their peers they they take what they know um, and then they assemble it into their own style in a mm-hmm. way, but it's also very heavily inspired by other pieces. Okay, but then do you also think that is there any like characteristics or like specific properties within art that can be like attributed to men or like women rather than men? Uh, in a way, I do think that there are um, social beliefs. Like when we look at what is traditionally feminine and what is traditionally masculine. Mm-hmm. You know, we could look at the context of a painting and we could see that, you know, we, we, we could say that um, round proportions or vibrant colors or a uh, flowery scene or, you know, something that is in positive could yeah. be attributed to a woman, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So then, like, for example, if you take uh, Raphael's, the, the Madonna of the Meadows, <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, you know, like that fits the, that fits the description. There's vibrant colors. There's, um, you know, the scene is very pure and it's gentle and it has, you know, it's very round and it's very cemented in what we would see as, you know, with today's mentality as what, what would be a woman's painting, right? Yeah. Woman's painting. Yeah. If let's, let's, you know, compare and contrast that to something like Audrey Flack's um, Wheel of Fortune. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's, that very, you know, that fits the description uh, greatly. Like there's very vibrant colors. There's a lot of feminine products. There's, um, you know, it, it, it breathes femininity, we would say, but then, yeah. you know, right in the middle, you have a skull and it's, and it's the lumen of death, right? Like it's, yeah, it's, it's a statement cool. piece that she used. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we could say that, oh, well, so then, you know, those are contributed to women, but mm-hmm. It, it, you know, if you look, what was that inspired by? That was, you know, that was by Vanitas, by um, mm-hmm. Juan de Valdez. You know, it, it, his painting was much more saturated or, or desaturated. It was um, a little bit more dark, right? Like you mm-hmm. could say that, all right, then 
it's a clear distinction between his and her painting. Like this was painted by a woman, this was painted by a man, but they both have the same kind of like the same context, the same kind of message that they're trying to convey. Right? Yeah. But does that mean that those are only contributed to men or women or, you know, is it a case by case? Is it some, some women, some men paint a certain way and, you know, they're all inspired by what the message is, like what is their surroundings, right? It's not just how they paint. Yeah. I think it's just, it's just mostly like a 50, 50, like it could always depend. Like you can't really like identify a certain style or a way of painting to a man or a female because realistically a female could paint the way a man could paint a man could paint the way a female paints like it doesn't really matter like yeah. it's just more of a 50 50 yeah, like I, you never know especially when it's you know it's inspired or if you're trying to replicate a style right mm-hmm. it's like that that's part of the art process is trying to replicate other styles and then gather like the knowledge that you get from that and then work that into your own style right yeah so it's like i mean it's just a big mesh of styles there's no you know yeah, specifically yeah. feminine specifically masculine um but then looking into that do you think there's some sort of like because we talked about how like critiques look at meaning and interpretation basically how they identified that it was a male or female was a critique like he was like like how they were saying how like the critique said in the in the case study back if we look back at the summary the vigorous brushstrokes of a master were beyond their woman's capabilities like do we think there's some type of weakness or like mistake that can clue to the gender of an artist when we look at a painting i think any artist could make mistakes right um, yeah i don't think i don't think you are inherently going to be worse in certain areas just because you're a woman when it comes to art, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like some people want to make the case when it's physical ability, which even then it's like, you've seen women that have been go far and beyond like the physical capabilities of men. Right. Mm -hmm. But in the art world, it's like, it's very based down in how you perceive your canvas, what you're trying to convey and then how much practice you put into you know, into your piece, right? Like Mm. you could sit there and you could look at um, a canvas for hours and not know what to do and not have any experience in a specific style, but you could sort of create a style, right? And it's like, you know, like all styles have come from somewhere, right? It's all from, it's not just your imagination. It's from things you see in the real world you put together. Whether that's a weakness or not, I, I don't, I don't think that's a weakness. I think what, you know, what, what is a weakness in itself, right? For one person, a weakness could be something and another person that could be seen as a strength. It depends mm-hmm. on the message the artist was trying to, to, to convey to the world, right? Yeah. And, and we sort of think that uh, we can interpret exactly what the artist means, right? But if you've mm-hmm. ever, you know, if you've ever heard any, um, any room of people that are looking at a piece of art, there's always a dissenting opinion. There's always dozens of different opinions. I'm not exactly yeah, what it different means. opinions, different interpretations of yeah. the art itself. Like if you look back, like if we could tie back like into chapter three, like interpretation, like it's really art is really how others see it. It's not really how you can't expect 
your view on an art to be the same as someone else's because everyone everyone has their own like interpretation of an art piece or like of a specific artwork it all like art just is really how others see it and how they interpret it for themselves yeah and, and you know their interpretation has a lot to do with their personal upbringing their surroundings right yeah it's like you know their interpretation could be greatly different than someone else's because you know they grew up they had a hard life um the art was like a, a way of escape you know they mm. they have their own taste right like if they look at what is more appealing to them personally right like those all those yeah. all are things that factor into their opinion of a piece and what they want to see you know there's people they project what um an artist is intended because it's what they think they would have done right it's a lot of people mm-hmm. that, that don't even realize it it's subconscious level you know they just project onto a piece of art and like that that's one of the benefits of appreciating art is that you can see a different meaning in it and it's not just one thing like it's not just a poster it's like this is all this means right it's open to yeah. interpretation yeah i get that so like looking on to that the specific characteristics that go be like into a painting the interpretation do you think we could basically like look at a painting and tell how like the artist's social condition or like their emotional state or like the religious convictions tied to the artist well i think that's one of the things we do when we try to appreciate art nowadays it's like the modern view is for it's for us to to take in more context than just what we see in front of us right if you look Mm -hmm. at you know what the artist went through and you know like what you know religion definitely takes a a major role in a lot of pieces it's like what what inspires them right Mm -hmm. whether whether for or against religion in either case their emotional state it, it you can actually feel the the emotion behind certain things based on color choice right like we're very yeah, uh, perspective to see in those blue, kind of be like cold, yeah, yeah, or it's serene or sad, mm-hmm. right, or calm, yeah. and depending on the context, and versus like fiery red, it's hot and it's um, more lively, and you know, so on. Um, so you mm-hmm. you can definitely contribute a lot of that to uh, you. You could read those properties and see that from the art, whether or not those are true or not. That's that's another thing again that's based on interpretation right like that we there are yeah, certain things that, that we there, there's certain things that we could say all right well it's you know the, the brain thinks this way and therefore it is this way you could look at factual things mm-hmm. how we we see colors or how we see diagonal lines or more actionative or you know etc we could we, we could justify certain aspects and choices painters make mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean we know what their intent was exactly how they were feeling just because someone at the grows, moment yeah, yeah like so just because someone grows up in a religious uh setting doesn't mean that they're religious right mm-hmm. there's you would think you know there's a good chance that it's probably going to have some effect on their artwork because it's such a prominent part of just their lives yeah their lives culture in general like what people think of them but that's mm-hmm. not always the case Again, that's like, yeah. it's up to interpretation, but we look at those context clues and we kind of devise our own interpretation from that. Yeah, I get that. Definitely. And then like looking at that, like just how you said, like religious convictions, like basically we, you don't really know 
because you weren't there at the time. You don't know the artist personally. So it's just based off of like interpretation of the art piece. But then if we look at like furthermore, like for example, if we look at the at the portrait of Mademoiselle Charlotte Duval. So basically the Metropolitan Museum of Art listed that specific portrait as by an unknown artist. So do you think that that uncertainty about the identity of a painter affects the way we see the painting or interpret it in a sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you've ever looked at uh, the, the way art is presented in a museum, you'll see, mm -hmm. the, you know, you'll see how the lighting is set up, where it's placed inside the museum. You'll see how many people are waiting in line to, you know, to see that particular piece. And like, all of those, you know, like all those things that are, you know, faced in front of you when you first walk in already gives you some sort of, you, you already have some sort of expectation, right? Mm -hmm. Like this must be good because everybody is looking at it. Now, uh, you know, a good example of the, the context of a piece rather than who the artist is, uh, if, if we look at uh, the Mona Lisa, prior to the Mona Lisa being stolen and then, you know, revived, uh, people would look at it, they would see that there was a bold smile and it was, you know, realism and it was very different compared to everything mm -hmm. else at the time. You know, like that's just what, you know, like people only looked at the painting as soon as we put into some sort of historical context now, people look at the excitement that, you know, that this painting was stolen, right? And now yeah. that, in, that inherently gives that, that painting more value, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why now it's like it's up in the museum. It has to be behind bulletproof, bulletproof glass. People, you know, are lined up for, you know, like outside the building trying to get to that one piece, even though there's thousands and thousands of other works there yeah travel across the travel across countries just to see them all of these so yeah yeah and then versus if you were to look at a painting that says you know it's by an unknown artist that could right away just mean like oh well they're not a noteworthy artist they're just here because of some other historical context or it used to be here because it was thought to be this but now it's just another artwork right yeah so, so it's already changing the way you perceive that mm-hmm yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Like, it definitely plays a factor into how we interpret art or look at art when we know who the artist is or if it's like a famous, like, for example, like, would you rather go and look at like a Vincent Van Gogh, like the Starry Night or like some random painting made by like an unknown artist? Like me specifically, like, I would go to the Starry Night to see that because like how you said, like people line up to see famous artworks by famous artists or like notable pieces that everyone knows. Like it all just, it all just really depends on that. Like the uncertainty of like not knowing who the artist is definitely plays a role into how we interpret or look at art. Yeah, definitely. I think that's, that's all the questions for today. We discussed the ladylike hand and how a woman's, seen differently from from a man and how like art is interpreted in many different ways and i just wanted to thank you for joining us today so much roberto Tavares. Uh, i really appreciate it this concludes exploring art podcast subscribe to exploring art podcast on itunes spotify soundcloud wherever you get your podcasts 
thank you so thank you so much for listening please join us soon and remember to stay curious thank you mm-hmm.